0: Alright, I want to look today at three temples. So, let's talk about three different temples. The first temple I want to talk about is the house of God. And we see it in verse 13 of chapter 2 of John. Check it out. It says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and the Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now the Passover... If you guys don't know what the Passover is, it's, it's all about Jesus. It was back in the days of Moses where the firstborn son was going to be killed. And Israel had to put the blood of the lamb on the door and the angel of death would pass over them. Passover is totally, it's all about Jesus because Jesus was the firstborn son who had to die for us. So Jesus is showing up to his own event. In verse 13 it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. I'm going to read this one more time. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. I want you guys to see the picture here. Jesus walks into church. He walks into the temple, the church of God. I want you to imagine you come into the sanctuary here. And what he sees is basically a zoo. He sees goats. He sees sheep. There are birds flying around. There's hay. There are people selling these animals. There's animal droppings all over the church floor. And Jesus sees this, and he's, he's offended. He's absolutely offended by what is going on. And something is offensive a lot of times when something gets used for a different reason than what it's meant. For instance, a shirt. A shirt is something that you, you wear it. You put it on, you're like, hey, I look good. You look in the mirror, you're like, that's a good shirt. I was on a plane with my dad. And we're sitting there on the plane. And he turns to me and says, give me your shirt. I was like, what? (laughs) That's weird. He's like, no, give me your shirt. I was like, okay. So I take off my shirt and give it to my dad. And he throws up all over it. He just vomits. We had macaroni grill. And he got food poisoning and literally just like like, give me your shirt right now. I take it off and he throws up on my shirt. It was was offensive to me, absolutely. I was like, I'm not not wearing that. that. That's not what it was meant for. You're using my shirt for a purpose that's far different than what it was meant. Now, let's think about the temple. Okay, the temple, the church back then, it's a place of worship. It's a place where people come to praise God, it's a a place where people come to worship God, where people come to pray and, and lay down their burdens at God's feet, it's God's house. It's a place where people show up. I don't know if you even realize this today, but when we're gathered together, I mean, in this place, or any room of this school, or any room of your house, when people gather together, when God's church gathers together, when God's people gathers together, whether you're part of some big church or whether you're a Bible study group of a few kids, You're the church of God, and you're gathering together to worship God. And and the places where we gather, it's important that we keep those places focusing on God. That's not what the people in that place were doing. They were selling animals. They were trying to make money. You see, what they were doing was the priests back then, they were basically trying to make money off of people. There was a place in the market See you've got the temple the church and then there was a marketplace. And people would go to the marketplace and they buy their animals and they take them to sacrifice. The marketplace was the place for animals to be. The temple was not that place. So it'd be like if you it'd be like if you came into church today and you pass Best Buy and you pass Walmart. And you're like okay cool those are stores. Obviously that's where the stores keep their stuff. And then you show up to church, and a guy in a blue shirt walks up and tries to sell you a VCR. Not a VCR. <laughs> I have, like, three. Um, but someone walks up, and they try to sell you a Blu-ray player in church. Or someone walks up, and they try to sell you just whatever, something ridiculous, something from Walmart. And it's, that's not how it's supposed to be, obviously. That's not the way things are supposed to be. It's completely different. It's, it's, the heart of these guys was wicked, these priests, because they were like, We are going to try to make extra money. We're going to try to bring the product right to the people and put it in the church. Come to church, buy your animal, sacrifice to God, get out. Like, just kind of make it a fast food church kind of service. Completely against what the heart of God was for the church. So what does Jesus do? He turns into an action hero. In verse 15, this is not like the meek and mild, like, like, Hey, I'm Jesus, let me pray for you. Like You know those pictures they have like the saints and Jesus is always like, like that? You ever seen those, like, those saint pictures? And just, like, this little, like, like a dove on his shoulder and, like, a little, like, halo. Like, just, like, think of him, like, peaceful on a field, like, chilling and, like hanging out with dandelions. That's not the Jesus we see here in verse 15. It says, when he had made a whip of cords, whoa, what? When Jesus had fashioned himself a whip of cords, just imagine Jesus sitting in the corner like like designing this whip, like by hand, like, yeah, they're gonna get it. They're gonna get it. You're like, whoa, that's, that's Jesus. He drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold things, take these things away. Do not make my father's house. Into a house of merchandise. This is crazy. This is not the Jesus we normally think of. Going in, flipping over tables, like building whips, and like whipping people to get them out of there. It's completely crazy to us. But what it is is it's righteous anger. Jesus looks and says, This is not right. Something needs to change here. There are things in God's house, there are things in God's temple that should not be here, so I'm going to drive them out. See, Jesus cared about the things of God, he was passionate about the things of God. In verse 17, it says, Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. The words of the prophets saying, The desire for God's house, the desire to come together and worship God and praise God and give God all the glory, that was the first thing on Jesus' mind. Now, I want to ask you guys something. Do you take care of the things of God? When you think of the things of God, I mean, are these things that in your mind, They take the forefront. Do you fight for those things the way Jesus fought for those things? Do you fight for, for instance, your own time with God, your own relationship with God, the time you spend... As we talked about this before, this whole semester we've been talking about, you're not just a Christian, you're not just a kid who shows up in church, but if you're a true disciple, if you're a true follower of Jesus, that he's your master. And so the things he says to you should matter. The things he says to you should be important, and you should be going to him on a regular basis, trying to find out, what does my master have to say to me? When a Bible study is taught, you should be listening, possibly even taking notes. When when Jesus says something, you should be listening, going, what does my master have to say have for me what about your time at church I know growing up as a Christian kid as a pastor's kid I remember my parents would get frustrated with me if I couldn't show up to church and I would think well what's the big deal if I if I miss church here and there and listen I'm not saying God's like sitting up in heaven with a checklist like did he come every single day of the, you know that's not what I'm saying but in my heart and I, I know this is especially for some of you especially some of you pastor's kids in here uh, especially some of you kids who've grown up in the church. I think sometimes we can look at church as that's that thing that mom and dad want me to go to, so it's really important I go to that so I stay on good terms with mom and dad. I want to challenge you guys. If Jesus is your master, then you should want to go where his word is being taught. You should want to go to hear what he has to say. You should show up to church not thinking like, oh, how can youth group benefit me? I hope the pastor is funny. I hope what he says is like really like gives me warm, fuzzy feelings. You should come and go, okay, Jesus, I'm here. What do you have to say to me? Are you passionate about the things of God? Are you passionate? Does sin make you upset? I know for me, um, when I was a kid, oh man, I remember this. Um, I was probably like maybe, I want to say five, and I was watching the Disney Channel. And I was super bummed because the Disney Channel, when I was like one, two, three, four, used to be like straight up nothing but Mickey Mouse, Goofy, and Donald cartoons, and that was good enough for me. Like, I would just watch those, and it's like, this is my life, like Mickey Mouse. And then, all of a sudden, they started bringing all these weird, like, tween romance drama shows, like the famous Jet Jackson and Flash Forward. Does anyone remember those shows? That was like the beginning of the Disney Channel. Those were like the first shows. I remember I was watching that show at five years old, and they did something inappropriate, totally inappropriate i'm not going to like go into details but you know it wasn't right and i saw it and it was just it was totally it was like gross and weird and and it offended me as a kid and i saw that and it was like i realized like this is not right this is sin like this is something that's perverted and I didn't know that word, but back then I was like, this is wrong, and I remember feeling so guilty that I had seen this, and just, my heart was so sad that I had seen this thing on TV, and I, and I just, I kept it inside, and then one day I was at a tennis lesson with my dad, and I just broke down crying on the tennis court, like, I saw this thing on TV! Now, if I told you what it was, you honestly would probably be like, that's not a big deal. Like, why, that is not, that thing that you described, it's not a big deal. You know what, the crazy thing is for me, so many times, that's where I'm at. You know, I think back to that thing I saw, And sometimes I I go to a movie and I see something, a a flash of something inappropriate, a word that I know is wrong, someone doing something that I, I know is just so wicked and I think it's not that big a deal. You know what happened to me and what probably I'd venture to say happened to you as a kid? Sin broke my heart. I knew it was wrong. I knew it hurt God's heart. It was very simple, childlike faith. But as time went on, the more things that I saw that were wrong, the more things that I was exposed to that were wrong, the more my conscience got dulled to it. And the more it was like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not as bad as this thing. It's not as bad as that thing. I want to ask you, does sin break your heart the way it breaks God's heart? I continue to ask God, give me the heart of that five-year-old Aaron where sin breaks my heart. That's what I want. We can lose our innocence, but the way we get it back is through the Holy Spirit. The way we get it back is we ask God, give me your heart. Give me a heart that rejects sin, a heart that resists sin, a heart that doesn't want to allow sin to come into the temple, the heart that wants to guard the temple. In John 16, 8, it says, And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I want to be convicted. I want, I mean, it's not the best feeling, but conviction is way better than condemnation. Conviction is when you do something wrong or you see something wrong and it's that voice in your heart that says you should not be watching that, you should not be looking at that, you should not be doing that, you should not be thinking that, you should not be saying that, and we can reject that conscience and go, it's not that big a deal, it's not that big a deal, but it's much better than conviction because, or no, it's much better than condemnation because what happens is you, you get to the point where you just continue to reject the Lord and reject the Holy Spirit and reject, you know, you're a Christian kid, you're going to church, but you've got one foot in the church and one foot in the world and you're exposing yourself to all these things and you're allowing yourself to say all these things are wrong and do all these things are wrong and it's just, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as this. That's what we keep telling ourselves and eventually we get to the point where Satan condemns us. He'll get, we'll get to the point where we've sinned so much and we've seen so much sin and we've exposed ourselves to so much sin that Satan will just be like, you're not even a Christian, and you know it. You're, you're terrible. You're a sinner. You're, you're going to hell. I'll see you there. That's what can happen. Now, that's not true. You need to understand. Don't listen to the condemnation, because condemnation just pushes you away from the Lord. Condemnation says you're not good enough to follow Jesus. Condemnation says you've messed up too many times. You've failed too many times. You can't be a serious, legitimate follower of Christ. Satan lies to you through this condemnation, But I challenge you to listen, maybe even now, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's speaking to your heart right now about some things that you need to get out of your temple, some things you need to clean up out of your heart. We need to be convicted. See, Jesus cared what was inside the temple. Jesus wanted to take out the trash. The second temple I want to talk about is just who Jesus is. In verse 18, it says... The Jews answered and said to him, what signs do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus is turning tables. He's flipping things over. He's throwing things. And they say, who are you that you can do this? Who, like, how do you even? It'd be like if we were in church and some guy came in the back and he's like, you're all wrong. And he started throwing chairs and just like, I don't know, like shooting us with paintball guns. You'd be like, who is this guy? Like, what gives you the right to do this? This is what Jesus says in verse 19. Jesus isn't really good at direct answers. I've noticed in the Bible, he's very much like, I mean, he's God, he can say whatever he wants. He kind of makes you work for the answer. So they're like, who are you? Tell us exactly who you are. And Jesus is like, nope, but I'll say this. Verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now at this point, it'd be like if some guy was like, yeah, he's shooting the paintballs at you, he's throwing things at you, he's like, blow this place up and I'll build it in three days. Be like, call the loony bin, call the mental hospital. This guy is crazy. Then the Jews said, verse 20, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days? But here's the key. Jesus, verse 21, was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this thing. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Jesus saying... You need to stop thinking so much about just the temple of the building, and you need to think about the temple of the body. Because a temple temple is where the Lord dwells. A temple is where the Lord is within. So the temple can be a building, and the temple can be a place where we gather together and God meets us here. But you need to also understand that God doesn't stay here. You have a savior, you have a God who is in your heart and goes with you where you go and never leaves you or forsakes you. Your body is the main temple. My body is the temple. Jesus was saying his body was a temple because the spirit of the living God was in him. And in the same way, you Christian, you have inherited what Jesus has given you. He's like, it's not just for me to God to live inside of my heart, but it's for you to God to live inside of your heart. You need to understand you are carrying the presence of Christ in your heart, no matter who you are, whether you're a sixth grader or a 12th grader, you are carrying Jesus with you. God has called you, not to live your own life now that you've given it to Jesus, but Jesus has called you to allow him to live his life through you. And that changes the perspective of everything we do. It changes the way we talk to our parents. It changes the way we treat our homework. I was talking to a kid last night. They're like, I just can't do my homework. I hate it. It's so terrible. It's, uh, I can't do it. And I was like, yeah, you can't. Like in your flesh, like you struggle with that. That's your biggest struggle. You can't just be a good student. But you know who can? Jesus, through you, if you allow him to live through you. If you start listening to what the Spirit tells you, He's not going to force you. He's not going to jump into your body and like, take you over. And He's like the little man driving the robot inside the robot. Like, that's not the way it works. He's not like forcing you to do things. Like, yeah, I just went out street with this thing, because Jesus forced me to. Like, that's not the way it works. But Jesus lives within you and He speaks to your heart. And that still small voice, that Holy Spirit, he tells you things like stop drawing pictures and making the person next to you laugh. Um, he might be saying that to you right now, I don't know. Um, let's keep going. Conviction's good, condemnation, not so much. Um, third temple, I'm gonna finish this up. Another temple we wanna talk about is your bodies, just like we were saying. But let's take it to what the word says. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? I'm going to start over just in case you missed it. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Jesus gave life to you. Jesus allowed his life to be inside you. Now, this is something that freaks me out because it's like I, when I'm living my life, I'm representing Jesus, especially if people know that I'm a Christian. So for me, man, I just, last night, totally messed up, totally blew it. Um, I was in the junior high room, hanging out with junior high kids, trying to be a good youth pastor. And my wife comes to me, she's like, hey, the car just broke down. And I had just fixed the car a week ago and spent a ton of money. Like, ju- it's the same car. And I literally did this. Like, such a, like, wimpy, pathetic thing to do. I literally, like, got, like, this look on my face. Like, ugh. I looked up and I was like, why me? Like, why me? And just, like, totally, like, God, seriously? Like, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm pouring my heart out for you. I'm doing stuff for you. Like, come on. Like, can't someone else get a broken car? And that's wrong. I'm representing Jesus. So when trials come my way, Jesus never looked up and said, why God? Why are you doing this to me? Jesus said, Father, your will be done. Whatever trials you want me to go through, whatever tests you want me to go through, I will do it because you asked me to. We need to represent Jesus. And you do that. You carry around the presence of Christ. People know you're a Christian. So when you let that inappropriate word fly out of your mouth, when people are over and it's like, hey, parents aren't home. Let's watch this movie. Hey, let's tell our parents we're going to go see this movie and let's sneak into this one, the one we're not, we're not supposed to. Hey, let's go online and check out this stuff. Let's get on our phones and look at these things. You're representing Jesus Christ. And sometimes we can represent him poorly. We need to honor God with our bodies. Your body's your main way of living. You can't do anything without your body. You're not just ghost spirits flying around. So what you do with your body, what you say, what you see, what you hear, what you do, the places you walk, the places you go, the things you do with your life are extremely important because they represent Jesus. What is the temple? It's a place of worship, prayer, and sacrifice, right? A temple, a church, it's a place of worship, prayer, and sacrifice. Three things, worship, prayer, and Sacrifice. Our temples, our bodies should be the same thing. Our temples, our bodies should be a place of worship, a place of prayer, and a place of sacrifice. Think about your life. Are you worshiping God with your body? You know, you can sing songs. I've been singing songs in church, but I haven't really been worshiping. I've been singing songs because everyone else is singing them, but there are times where my heart is not in it, and I'm just singing songs because anyone can sing songs, but our heart has to be in it to worship is your body a place of worship where you are not just in church singing songs, but you're doing things for the Lord? I'm going to go out of my way to do something special for Jesus. I'm going to go out of my way to serve him. I'm going to do this thing that's uncomfortable, this thing that I'm not good at, this thing that I'm weak in, this thing I'm pathetic in. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do it for Christ. Even though I feel weak, he's strong in my weakness. Is your body a place of prayer? Are you praying? I mess up on this so many times. So many times I go through my week and I'm so stressed and I don't pray. The other day, um, my wife and I, we just got this house. It's a little house on a hill. And I went outside. I was super stressed, a lot of stuff going on. I'm I'm doing a winter camp right now. And I went outside and I was like, I'm just going to drop everything. and I'm just going to go pray. And I walked around for like 20 minutes. and I just talked to Jesus and it was the best part of my month. That 20 minutes was the best part of my month. Be a place of prayer. Not just asking God for the things that you want, but telling him how great he is and praising him for the things that he's done in your life. And finally, is your temple a place of service? Bob Dylan wrote a song called, You've Gotta Serve Somebody. And that was when he gave his life to the Lord during that time period. He wrote a song called, You've Gotta Serve Somebody. He's talking like, I can't just live my life on my own. I've got to serve someone. And then John Lennon, his friend, wrote a song back called, You've Gotta Serve Yourself. Because he was saying, Why would we serve God when there's so much pleasure to be found in serving ourselves? But serving ourselves will ultimately leave us happiness. We've got a hole in our heart, and the more we serve ourselves, the more we try to cram into that hole in our heart, the, the bigger it gets torn. Jesus is the only thing that fits. And when we fill that hole in our heart, we feel such satisfaction. I never feel better than when I'm serving either junior high kids, when I'm serving my wife or when I'm serving someone else, there's something in me that just lights up in my soul. And if you don't know what that feels like, I challenge you, ask God, what do you want me to do? And If he doesn't answer right away, keep asking because he's got something for you. Even you sixth graders, he's got something he wants you to do right now. Not when you're older, not when you're 25, not when you're 30, not when you're 40. He has something he wants you to accomplish for him as a sixth grader. I'm gonna finish up, last thing I'm gonna say is when Jesus went into that temple and he saw the things that should not be, the money changers, the people selling their animals, and he drove them out of the temple and he took out the trash, we need to do that. Take inventory. What is in my heart? Are there things I'm watching that I should not be watching? Is there music that is influencing me in a way that is just so negative and getting my heart so down and far away from the Lord? Are, I'm not saying like you have to literally like only watch like Lifetime movies or... You know, only listen to like Christian radio. That's not what I'm saying, but, but you know what I'm talking about. There are things in, I'm guessing, all of your lives, just as much as sometimes there are things in my own life where I, we have to look at ourselves and go, what is in my life, what is for God, and what is trash? What's bringing me closer to God and what's dragging me down? Have the heart of Jesus that went into that temple and drove out the things that were wicked. Take inventory. What's in your own heart? Ask God to come in and drive it out, even if it's painful. You need to have a clean temple for the Lord, a clean place to worship the Lord. And some of us have these temples that are just filled with animals and filth, and we need to clean those out. Dear God, I pray that you would help us to surrender to you the things that are dragging us down, the things in the temple, Lord, that are just fouling the place up. So many times we're just so full of of wickedness, God. So many times I'm full of wickedness. Our hearts are so just prone to wander from you, prone to turn away from the God who loves us. I pray that you would help us to turn over to you everything in our hearts, everything in our minds, everything in our souls. Help us, God, to be so open to you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for making our bodies a temple, and thank you for this place where we can gather together. In your name, amen. Amen.